Hi everyone and welcome to Words with That One Lady. Hi guys, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. And like you know, we've been going through the graduate school series and I think this is episode two. Today on the podcast, I have two amazing individuals with us and I'd like them to go ahead and introduce themselves. Hello, my name is Halima. I am a journalist based in Ottawa and I moved here to Ottawa, Canada about five years ago. And thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Any, anytime. We're glad to have you. And guest number two. Okay. (laughs) My name is Janet Onyeche Aldu and I I am a software developer in Montreal and also co-host of Navigating Canada with Halima. So co-host plus co-host equals host. (laughs) (laughs) Really? It's too early for this. Give the audience like a few minutes before you show your true self. <laughs> no, it's so oh good. No, I love this. I am glad. I'm so glad to have the co-host of Navigating Canada with us today. So, you know, we're about to go into a lot of stuff. But today we're talking about moving to a new country as an international student. And Halima and Jane are going to both be sharing their experiences. And like you already know, they have a podcast that actually talks about coming to Canada specifically. So in this podcast, is going to be like relevant to anybody who's moving to anywhere. Our experiences are going to just be based on you moving to anywhere. But if you want anything specific to Canada, you know where to go. And the link will be in the bio for sure. So Halima, tell us. When did you move to Canada as an international student? Um, I moved here 2015 August, towards the mm-hmm. end of August 2015. Mm-hmm. I don't want know if you want me to get into details of what I expected and what just, I met what, here. Just one second. Let me just ask Jane as well. What did when what time? When did you move to Canada? I moved to Canada January 2016. Hmm. Genesis yeah, moved into Canada at some very, very weird times, which is winter. Nobody moves in during winter. But okay. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I both know. of you, when you guys were moving, when you got that whole mission visa, everything was all set. What did you have in your head? Like what came to your head first? So for me, like a lot of people talk about how cold. I think the first thing, I didn't think too much about my move because mm-hmm. I was working, working, working until like the last minute. Mm-hmm. But when I made the decision to come here, every time I would tell people, oh, I'm moving to Canada, the first thing they would go is, or they would say is, oh my God, it's really, really cold where you're going to. Like, it's really, really cold. And so I got ready for it's really, really cold weather. And it was pretty disappointing when I got out of the airport and it was just like sunny and it was like Nigerian weather, so to say. Because I came, I came in, I came in August, yeah, right? In summer, yeah. When it's still, when it's still pretty warm. Sometimes yeah. even too, too warm. And so I was just thinking, like, who are these people who talk about this country as a ridiculously cold place? Like, this is what it feels like where I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. So I know that that was the first, you know, disappointment, so to say. Well, that was the first <laughs> correction of a perception because I got here and it was just like warm, and I'm like, why did I buy all those? sweaters and you know thick socks and all that what am I going to use this for now this is completely useless and then a few months after when I got the real shocker shocker. Mm -hmm. people understood emphasize how cold it could be yeah Ah, how about you Janet polar opposites (laughs) so I came in I came in January and 
I think like Halima actually did not prepare to leave Nigeria. It was more like I was so excited to leave Nigeria and then move to a new country to start my brand new life. I was so happy for it. Mm-hmm. And everyone actually, I just no one really talked to me about the cold per se. I just knew that Canada was a cold place. But I expected it to be as cold as maybe minus five degrees because that's the winter I had experienced before moving here in the UK. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I moved and then Halima can actually testify to this. I just came <laughs> with this flimsy jacket <laughs> and it was in January and I just came out of it was so cold. It was so cold, but to be honest, the cold wasn't the problem because I came out of the airport and I got into the Uber um, or the yeah. cab actually. I didn't have Uber then. I got into the cab and I just I already had like my accommodation waiting for me. Oh, nice. But, but it was colder when I arrived as mm. opposed to like Halima's. Yeah, I've been warm. All right. That's actually, I, I told her it was going to be really, really cold, but I think she was so excited that she did not <laughs> think about it. Yeah. It was, it was not <laughs> registering at all because I, I, we honestly, talked like a number of times. <laughs> And I would always say, it's really, really cold, Janet. Like, it's really, really cold. Prepare for this. And then she showed up and I was like, yeah, you didn't hear me. You were not listening to me when I I was talking. (laughs) I was just excited to come, man. I I, I couldn't be bothered. I felt like if people were living there, I will survive. That's it. I've experienced winter before. I did not know that the winter we're talking about here was like minus 20 degrees. There are levels to that. There are levels to what we talk about when I know, yes. that's, that's, That's very, very interesting to go through. But another thing that I got from all you both said was the preparation rate was different. Now, let's go to graduate school preparation you i don't know if both of you did your undergrad in nigeria which is our home country i want to ask that question so when you were thinking about your graduate school experiences before leaving nigeria and comparing to your undergraduate lifestyle what were you thinking you were going to expect and what did you finally meet when you got here oh do you want to go first okay i'll go first (laughs) (laughs) so hmm I did my undergrad in Nigeria. Halima and I actually met in undergrad. Okay. Um, and then by the time I was done from undergrad, I remember like my final year in undergrad and I just realized that I had not really experienced school. <laughs> I just, that was the realization I came to in my maybe final week, honestly, in undergrad. Um, I had spent a lot of time focused on my grades and then getting good grades and working really hard. But then there were other things about school that I felt like I had missed out on. Mm. So for me, doing a master's was always like in the works. And I just decided that I was going to use that as an opportunity to correct that, to correct the fact that I really did not experience school other than grades. So, um, yeah. So preparing, I don't know if you want me to talk about like the process to get in my admission and deciding whether to come to Canada or not. I don't know if that's something you want to talk about. Basically, what I want you to go into is like your mentality about schooling back in home in Nigeria and your mentality when you finally got here or what were you expecting when you came to grad school? That's what I'm expecting. Mm, I want you to talk about. Okay, okay. So anyway, so I finally decided to come to grad school and what I was expecting was really to correct any mistake, the mistake of not experiencing school in undergrad (laughs) and then... I was really looking forward to succeeding. Like there was just this strength and energy I came to this country with, man. I just felt like I was coming here without my family. I was going mm. to learn a lot about myself. 
And I did not come here to count bridges. I was coming here to take everything that I could get. And I think that was the mentality I came with, just that hustler mentality. And I came and boy, did I work. I really did work hard. And I met the right people. I actually met the right people. I helped that. I also knew people like Halima, you know, before I arrived here. So I guess that was the mentality. That's amazing. How about you, Halima? So I'm the opposite of Jane. In undergrad, like I was involved in too many things. And I saw how that added to my university experience. Because it was not just about grades, but it was also about using some of the things that I was learning in the classroom to do like a number of things with extracurricular activities and clubs and all that. So Mm -hmm. I appreciated that undergrad was able to do that for me. But when I was preparing for my master's degree, what I was thinking about was where exactly can I go to in the world that will prepare me to be like a superstar journalist? Mm. So it's not about me extracurriculars per se I wanted to go to a place that would prepare me with all the skills I needed to you know take over the world as a journalist and so initially the um the idea was not to come to Canada Canada just happened as a last minute thing because schools in the U.S. are super expensive and you don't get the kind of scholarships that you want especially if it's not like STEM related Mm -hmm. and so I came here and I was just like you know what I'm ready for this program you know Everybody at home has made all these sacrifices to make me come here. I have these, you know, dreams and aspirations. I am ready for the program. And so I, I, I was um, in the journalism program at Carlton. And they already told us before we came, like, it's going to be pretty intense. But then I don't think anything could have prepared me for how intense it got. Like Jane said, it was like Jane's, Jane's experience was hard work. Mine was also like it was hard work. Like there were times we would be in classes from like nine o'clock in the morning until five. And then many of our assignments were hands-on things. You had to attend events, cover the events, and then write like a new story out of the events. And that's pretty difficult when you're arriving here as a new person because you are still trying to understand your environment. How do you decide what is an interesting new story for people in this environment? You are still like, you are dealing with culture shock in the same at the same time so all of that just basically made it such a stressful stressful time the program was ridiculously intense when i first arrived i didn't know i didn't really know anyone so i was just on my own there's a time difference with nigeria so you are going yes. through like jane and i were superstars in school when we did our undergrad and so you come here and because things are so different you're not necessarily a superstar Mm-hmm. And so that is really, really hard because it's just like, well, I thought I was ridiculously smart. What is three over 10 on a test? Like I never, ever get, I don't get less than A's on anything at all. And so that That's is so true. That is such a big blow. And when you don't have anyone that you can talk to, there's a time difference with Nigeria. So after, after you know, a whole day of classes, you can't just quickly call home, home and talk to them. Exactly. And because, and because people at home have also made a lot of sacrifices, you don't want to call to say, oh, it's not working out. And so my first months of school, when I was just on my own, was not, I don't think anything could have prepared me for how draining it would be emotionally. Like you question, like you doubt yourself. There was a lot of second guessing. Yeah. A lot of second guessing that you're not even able to bounce off someone else. Like we all second guess ourselves, but then you are surrounded by people who tell you, 
look, dear woman, you are that babe. Like, yes. And, and they see when that is happening. Like, so they can always tell you, see, like reaffirm, they, they tell you these affirmations that you say to yourself and you don't necessarily believe. Yeah. And so it was just very difficult to not have that the first few months. And then Jane shows up in her inappropriate winter attire. <laughs> <laughs> and then it changes everything. Like, it changes so, so much. I cannot... I was thinking about this earlier today because I'm thinking about what to write for Jane on my Instagram tomorrow. (laughs) And I was just thinking, I don't know. I I sincerely don't know how graduate school would have happened or how I would have succeeded with graduate school if Jane was not there. Because God knows that like she, there were too many times where she literally picked me up and just told me, see, keep going, you can do things. And then she yeah. always knew if she had to bribe me with food, she'd just be like, just finish this assignment. <laughs> uh, ooh, ooh, and then I will make you a dish or buy you something. Like it was, it was just, no, like um, you, for graduate school, especially in a place that you are still getting to know. You're new to, yeah. You, you need people. You really, really need people who are like true, true friends and who you can, who, who see you and who can lift you up in moments of doubt. Supports so. are very, very, I, I agree with you. Supports are very important because when I compare my graduate experience, I knew nobody. I literally was moving from the airport to the university without no friend, no news to the area, having to start afresh. And to be sincere, at, like when you talked about when you talk about second guessing yourself, I did. Mid my program, I was ready to switch my pro- my course because I didn't know what I was doing again. It felt like, why am I here? Like, what's the point of being here? Am I am I an imposter in my own body? Like, should you even is, be here? Do you deserve this space? Exactly. Do I deserve to be in this space? And that was because I knew nobody. But moving from my master's program, when I look at how much of uh, uh, Whitney, uh, my friend that I known from NYSE, was here, and literally when I got from the airport, she was the first person I met, and she took me around to go buy stuff, and took me to go do this, took me to go do that, spent the nights in my apartment, and all that stuff. She even helped me to look for apartments before I came in it was very helpful i saw the difference it was so like me integrating to the system was not hard at all within four or five days i met a few people i met this person i met chuka i met Ejiro, i met jane within, and within like a few weeks before i knew i was meeting people and it helped me a lot taking yeah. that pressure of you're new to the area yeah. you don't know anybody yeah. and to focus on scrum and i was having a tough time you can give them a call and say, hey, this is happening. Like, oh, come around, come hang out in your house and do your assignments and stuff. So I agree with you when you say that helps. So going back to the time difference, I wanted to find out, do you think at some point you felt like a disappointment when you wanted to complain? Hmm. See, for me, I'll take this. My problem, like Halima was talking about, like, because she was the only one here at the time, and then she needed to complain with people back home. See, I was very lucky because I already had Alima here. I also had Imabong here, right? Yeah. One of my other friends. So no, I did not feel like a disappointment. I we call them. And we we're going through the same thing together, right? Like I'll complain to them. I but I wasn't complaining to people back home though. Yeah, your parents or yeah. I wasn't complaining to them because they would not understand it. I was just lucky I had people in the same situation as I was and they could understand what I was going through. Yeah, I can imagine. How about you, Halima? For me, like everything Jane said, and for me in addition is that I'm such a warrior. Jane knows this already. Like even before (laughs) things happen, I already start to worry and I start to think, okay, if I'm worrying this way, what are people at home? I try to put my mind into, 
I try to put myself into people's shoes a lot. And so it just felt like it would be unfair for me to complain to people at home because I saw everything my parents basically sacrificed to get mm-hmm. me here. And I so, so and so I was always worried that even like I had to I had to not be complaining too much because I didn't want my parents who we were pretty young when we moved here. Yeah, I can and imagine. I can imagine that uh, my parents were just like even thinking we don't know anybody in this place. I, I had never traveled out of Nigeria, and so it was such a gamble for them to Let basically you say you are ready to go, go. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't want them thinking, did we make the wrong decision here? Mm-hmm. I didn't want them thinking, how is she doing all the way? Like she does not sound fine because it's very difficult for you to just. They could not just easily come to Canada to check me out and see how I'm doing. Or like when or you were in, in Nigeria. Or, or like when I was in Nigeria, if, if I was in Nigeria and I was complaining a lot, it, was, so it, was, it would just be so easy for them to maybe fly visit. home or tell me, come home and come, let's have a conversation. Yeah. But because that was impossible, so to say, um, while I was in grad school, I didn't want to give them more reasons to worry about how I was doing. Yeah. So a lot of my complaining, I, I complained sometimes when I was just like really, really, especially in my final weeks of, of the master's program. Yeah. Like I, I would talk to my dad about how nervous I was feeling, but then I just didn't want to bombard him with too much so that he, yeah. because I feel like my parents, our parents worry about us so, so much. A lot, exactly. Even when we are not complaining, right? So I didn't want to give them a reason to be thinking, is there, like, what is going on? With her all the way there there's no yeah. one we can send to go check her to just go find out what's going on so when i had you know jane when i had um, one of my roommates hasla it was just another outlet like it was a way to just like there were times i would call jane up in the middle of the night and not even worry that i was waking her up and she's just yeah. like okay what's going on right now and it would just be like tears 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 and she's like Good okay morning let's look at this let's break this down and then at the end of the day i would feel better and so like jane was able to help me in a way that my parents would not have been able to help me because she was right here and she understood she was going through the exact same thing and like jane would not have to worry too much about me if she was starting to worry or if for some reason she had not spoken to me in like two days she would just I'll show come up to at your my place. house. Exactly. <laughs> she won't even. She won't even tell me I'm. She's coming. She would just show up. If I'm not I'm there, not she'd be sure. like, so she. If I'm not there, she would call me. Where are you? You're in school. I'm coming to meet you right now in front of your house. Are you almost here? And so and so yeah. Like I I never felt like I was complaining too much because I was basically yeah. complaining to the right people who could help me here. That's good. So in all of that we've said now, guys, who if you're listening right now, the truth is moving to a different country can be hard at times. Now, the question is, have you found your group of people? Have you found your niche? Have you found no one can do it alone? That's one big thing that I've kind of learned with talking to other people concerning the, in, in this whole graduate series. Like you can't do it by yourself. Find your people, find that pressing, find a resource that can help you get through times. It can be hard. It's not easy, but you can do it. That's like what I've gotten from all of this so far. One well, question that I have for both of you is what was the we talk about culture shock a lot with like the area the surrounding and all of that what was your culture shock about academic or academic life in graduate school i don't know if it's because we went to an american school in nigeria american Mm. university in nigeria so i didn't really have any 
culture shock that I can think of. I'll keep thinking though. Okay. When I joined, I know that some people struggled with, you know, things like plagiarism, checkers. Mm-hmm. Um, that was something that I noticed that a lot of people from Nigeria actually struggled with then when they moved here. But I was already familiar with things like that. Okay. The grading system as well wasn't like a problem for me. Yeah. Um, but I would rather answer that question as maybe the things I appreciated when I moved here. Okay, and ahead. I would say that I really did appreciate the, the amount of opportunities that were just there available in school. I noticed that in school, if you put yourself out there, like there were a lot of avenues to like put yourself out there. You know, there are a lot of activities going on. There were a lot of like events that I could volunteer for. There are a lot of professors I could speak with that could connect me to the right people or the right places. Like there was just that opening. It was like, just there conferences you could you could attend conferences was something that we didn't really have back home as I was available and knew that I was willing to learn more and to actually um, grow my network there were always people there to point me in the right direction so the opportunities were like endless yeah it's very it's just so interesting to move to this country as a student because there are many people that are looking to help you out yeah. as far as you you show them that interest i guess yeah that's very correct how about you olima everything jane said too and but i think like the shock was more um as a result of how my own master's program was designed like i told you we had to be in class for some classes from nine to five yeah. that is a lot long that mm-hmm. is too too long and so that was not stuff I was I think mm-hmm. prepared for like and it was not stuff I was used to like just being in a class and learning like I was used to working nine to five yeah but then sitting in a class and learning for that long and there were times when the class would be like a what are what are those things called I don't remember what they used to call them hybrid class? seminars no, no, it was not a seminar, but it was, we would turn it to like a production class. So, for example, wow. within the 95, we had to go out, report on stories or come attend back. events, come back, write a new story. Like it was a simulation of a regular newsroom. Wow. And, and that was pretty intense. So I, I was not I was not expecting it to be as hands on because the program I did in Nigeria was supposed to be hands on as well. But then you had more time to you know think about your story ideas then you interview people like the entire semester you might write three new stories we're writing new stories like every single week sometimes for different classes you're writing different new stories so that's one and then the second one is that because I did a professional degree at the end of the day you are supposed to produce like a an ambitious piece of journalism and (laughs) I was not I, I I think that was some sort of shock for me because I was, it's, it's the kind of work that you expect someone who is really um, experienced as a journalist. Yeah. Produced. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I did not expect that, you know, would be required to put in because, it, and it makes sense. Like after you've taken all these courses, put all those courses into or all the things you've learned yeah. into this, you know, piece of journalism and, and, you know, report something that's impressive and, like it's just not. I was not expecting it to be as reflective of the real world as it ended yeah, up being. Like I you had to take be. people. Yeah, like you had. To, you were talking to real people. You're not just imagining things. Taking time to think about how you wanted to tell the story. It took a lot of time and you know tears and effort and everything. So in that 
like the hands-on was really, really hands-on and it was hands-on in a way that was intense. Yeah. That I was not, because we went to a school that, you know, um, required us to do things in a way that some of our colleagues who were in other schools were not doing during our undergrad. Yeah. There was this tendency for us to think, well, we've done this before. When I was looking at my master's, um, uh, some of the descriptions of courses in the master's program, I was like, well, I've, I've done this. I've done this before. It's, there's nothing, there's nothing new here. Like I can, I can, I can, I will definitely, you know, do so well in these courses, but then it just took it up a notch. Yeah. And, and I think that was the, that was the shock that, you know, I was pretty confident at the beginning because I thought this is stuff I can totally do. And it was different from what I, you thought what I expected it to be. Yeah. So Go ahead. I'm, Jenny, going to, you want- I'm going to add something real quick. Well, you yeah. know, I was talking, <laughs> I completely agree everything she said. But I also, no, but, and I also want to add that um, speaking of the opportunities I talked about and then speaking of, you know, hands-on. Yeah. So I studied software engineering back home. Uh, That was my undergraduate degree. And then, you know, it was hands-on, but not so much. And I hadn't had a professional software engineering um, experience before moving here. So as part of my program, I had to do an internship, what we call co-op here. And I remember during my co-op, forget about interviews for the co-op, it was easy. But then during the co-op, I I got an interview call from this really big tech company. I was so surprised how I got the call from them. And I remember being in that interview room and it was going to be a very hands-on interview. And I remember... They asked me this question, which in retrospect, it or you know, in hindsight, it's actually a very simple question. But because I hadn't had that hands-on experience yet, yet. Yeah. I remember just freezing during the interview and basically just telling them, Thank you very much for thinking of me for this opportunity. But oh I can't God. do this. Oh, oh my left. And <gasps> I called Haliva and I cried my eyes yeah. out. I was like, oh my goodness. I actually just remember that story. So it's not like, you know, this, this was an opportunity that was presented to me. But then there was this whole thing about being very hands-on in this country that I hadn't experienced mm-hmm. before that I had to learn. But the only good thing that helped me, though, is that I failed fast and I failed early. Yeah. So this happened, like, you know, my like maybe my second year, the, my second year, my first year, at the end of my first year, the beginning of my second year, at least I had one whole year to prepare for, like, the real world experience. Well, yeah. But, yeah. Oh, was wow. That. that was And after that, experience. she's just aced every interview. Yeah, like, she's been killing it. <laughs> she's been killing yeah, it. Right. They keep yeah. begging her. They're like, please come. <laughs> come on, rush. walk. <laughs> and then they rush Jenna. That's so interesting. Wow. This is that's the thing that I've come to realize that moving from your home country to a different country can be a whole experience especially if your country is i don't want to say not on the same level with the country you're going to but when you know that things are clearly different in the new country that you're going to it can be a whole ball of experience which we've all talked about right now looking for how it is like the culture shock when it comes to academics let's never talk about the culture shock with the the, the place you're moving into in oh, general yeah. which you're going to in a couple of minutes also the part of things are different if you're not careful you might miss out on the opportunities you have in front of you in the places that you are so many people can move to a new country and they're just like oh this is where i used to do things because i remember discussing another episode with someone who said 
she moved to a new country and she was more concerned taking the undergrad brain saying oh i was smart in my own country so i can be smart here and was doing it the same way and also figured out that she was failing fast and she was like why is it why is this happening that she has to speak with professors and be like hi like this is what's going on and they had to tell her you know this is how we do things here blah 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 and she implemented these things she was learning and things got better with her grades Everybody who's come to grad school is smart. Everybody that's come to grad school knows what they're doing. The question is, what you're doing now, how can you put it into the real world? That's basically what grad school is all about. Trying to take it like higher than what it was during undergrad. Now, instead of it to be taught in, undergrad, in, in grad school, you're teaching your professors and you're telling them, okay, this is what I know so far. And they're telling you, oh, okay, well, that sounds good. But in the real world, this is how it's supposed to be. Or in the way it has to be when it comes to academia, this is what it's supposed to look like. So it's a whole different ball game altogether. And failing fast, I feel like is the best thing to do. So imagine if you didn't put yourself out there, Janet, if you didn't accept that interview, and have that issue or have that situation happen to you, it would have been bad when it had come to like a real world thing and you didn't know, oh my God, this is important, this is not important. So in all of this, what I'm taking is, take all the opportunity you're getting, guys. If you're listening to this, whatever, when you start your grad school, when you should move from your home country, do not be an island, do not stick to yourself, put yourself out there. It's okay to fail. Like if you don't fail, you not know what you're doing wrong. If you're doing great all along and doing well, then are you really improving yourself? Not like failure can be sad at times, but when you were failing at something, like that experience would, you know, prepare you for the greater things that are ahead out there. So now let's move to the last segment of this, which is tell me now the culture shock as it relates to leaving and you know being in a new country altogether, different from where you grew up. What was like, I the will, biggest one for you? I'll 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 tell a story about something. A phone call that Jane gave me one of those early days while she was here. I think a lot of things, like a lot of things happen to you. You have conversations with professors and it just leaves you the wrong way sometimes. Like what exactly <laughs> is this person trying to say, you know, trying to say to me? So, or sometimes it's just having frustrating colleagues and then there are things in your personal life. So I guess that was where Jane was at when she gives me this call and she's talking about all the ways things are not working out. And then at some point she's like, I can't even find hard chicken. Why can't I find hard chicken? Like, oh what am I eating? Like, and, and, and that was the point. Like, why, why is the chicken here so soft? Why can't I find hard Nigerian chicken? She eventually finds hard Nigerian chicken, I think at a Chinese store. Um, but, but that's the thing. Like, and I think our experience went this way because we also didn't go to like, I understand that people go to like newcomer centers where they tell you like a number of things that just oh, helps. International with... students don't go through that, do we? Do we go to newcomer centers? A lot of students don't, but we should. <laughs> we should. Yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah, we, we definitely should go to. I, I think I think my own big culture shock was just like like I said earlier, we were we were happening babes at home. Like we were <laughs> no happening happening babes in the sense that like we were, we were this few, like we were seen as people who had all this potential. Like we were starting to do awesome stuff at work. You at work, people trust you. You think about yourself as all that. Like I am the future of this great country of Nigeria. Like, yeah. like you just think, profession. In fact, I'm the future yeah, of this like you, you think about yourself as being all that, and you come here, and you don't sound like everyone else. And you don't look like everyone else. And mm. people project a lot of rubbish on you. 
Mm-hmm. Like people make assumptions that you don't know stuff. People mm. make assumptions that you should probably not be here. So it's not all the, like people will not come and tell you we don't think you should be sure. here. But then like you see the, the ways actions. that people treat you compared to the ways that they treat other people. Yeah. And because you are second guessing yourself a lot, you are also thinking, am I imagining this or am I just like, am I being too sensitive or is this yeah. actually true? Yeah. And because it's not a conversation that everyone is just going out and having. Yeah, there's so many times when you just keep thinking, no, I was probably imagining this thing. And then when the conversation now happens, the one time the conversation happens and other people are telling their stories, you now realize, oh my God, this is so true. It really yeah. happened. So, so that was that was the that was the one big shock for me that you know I went from being this person that so many people look up to or so many people think about. Even I was thinking about myself as I have something to offer here, yep. and then coming here and then not always having people think about me as that competent person to give all these opportunities to now that has changed i'm very very grateful but then in those first few months and in the first few years it was not that that, people did not look at you and go awesome person we need to you know basically give her a second chance and or we need to even give her a chance and that thing can really 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 mess with you it can really really mess with you it can make you feel so so small and if you are not, I, I'm so glad I had Jane because the type of person I am sometimes is that if I feel like people doubt me, then I want to prove my haters wrong. I'm such a, <laughs> I, am, I am petty like that. I always want oh to my prove God. my haters wrong. It fuels, like, it, it fuels everything energy. I do. That's it good. gives me so much energy. I'm like, I'm so tired, but I need to prove those haters wrong. But then even while you are trying to prove the haters wrong, you get tired yeah. and yes. you still feel small. Yeah. And you need people who are telling you, see, you are all that and you can do this thing because I've yep. seen you do so much more. Before, yep. But it is really, 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 really hard. And if there's anyone who's listening, who's going through that, you will be very fine. Just yep. keep pushing through, find your people, let them gas you up. Let them exactly. remind you that you are all that and awesome. Yep. And then it, de- it definitely gets better because when you put out the one good work, all the haters realize that, oh, we don't have yep. a point here. Yep. And then you are able to, you know, basically accumulate new fans who will continue to gas you up as well. And then it just continues that way. So yeah, that was, that was, there are a number of other smaller, you know, shocks, but that one was very, one. it was very, very different. It was, it was big. And I'm very, very grateful that I had friends like Jane who were with me along the way to not, because you, you need people. Or else sure. you will just crash. And so I'm, I'm glad that I had people like Jane to, you know, help lift me up, yeah. so to say. For me, um, the biggest one for me was walking into one of my classes and looking too dressed up for class. That was one of my <laughs> biggest ones. Um, walking into a class and seeing everybody wearing a sweatshirt and wearing a sweatpants or wearing a short and wearing sweat tops of the university. And I'm like, okay, this is not happening. The second one, which always threw me off every second, was opening my mouth to speak to someone and they say, you speak so much good English for a Nigerian. That thing pissed me off every second. Mm-hmm. And I, the, the, the first sentence that comes to mind when I hear it is, excuse you, when you heard I was Nigerian, what did you think I was going to speak like? 
But, like, you're going to speak nigerian <laughs> exactly like i never meant the only good thing is god thank you for good home training i never respond like, i never i never said those things out i only my response to those kind of sentences would be a smile i go <laughs> yeah thank you but like those things kind of got to me at some point but the truth like you said you always almost want me to feel down and brought lower than you think or you've seen yourself to be in your home countries but like you said having people who are there to gas you or people you can talk to and they can share experiences with you and not make you feel like am i crazy to think that this just happened or somebody just asked me that question or somebody just made me feel this way but you can share experiences with people and tell they tell you oh that's it that happened but the truth is you were good you're good at what you do you're amazing keep your head up like mm-hmm. it happens things happen all these things happen but you get better things get better and one the one last thing that shook me which i don't think we want to go into in this conversation is the conversation about racism which nobody ever prepares you for that it's yes. something that at some point i just got lost in the conversation i wouldn't lie like i would meet my fellow black students fellow black I- individuals at school and they had these strong opinions about things and they ask you and you go mm. i don't know like I, I i did not know as someone touching my hair was a bad thing at first mm. until i said understanding a few things and i used to feel like somebody comes to me i'm like oh this is beautiful i felt like they just admired my hair I didn't think that all that things were underlining factors to a different, like I had to learn a lot of things and know that people have gone through it in a very weird way. People have experienced things differently. And like those were things that like culture shock when I mean like I was blown away. I was like, oh, this took a lot. And and I feel like even the conversation about racism, I also, you know, said things wrongly to my to people and they're saying, why would you say that? This is this, this is signs of oppression, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't know. Like in back in my home country, we just talk things through. I see things on TV and I had to learn about these things. So it's just been a whole experience of shock and all of that that I feel like every a couple of other international students are getting to learn. But thank God for technology these days. Like a lot of things are more seen online in the internet than it was back in the day, like 2014. Like compared to 2013, 2014, where you have to be on a big screen to see it. Now on the on our palms, we have all the information, we have all the, everything to our beck and call without any like uh, uh, restrictions as before. I don't know about you, Janet, is there any big culture shock that you would like to share? No, I think you guys have said it all. Um, I just quickly reiterate the fact of the skin color. Yeah. Um, I like to say that, you know, before I moved to this country, I never really thought about myself as a black person. It's not like I thought I was white or any other color, but I just was not aware. I did not see it as a factor that could limit um, my opportunities or could influence the way people um, treat me. So it was, I think I, I remember doing an interview for, uh, for I think, for some news column or whatever. And I actually told them about how it was actually like an, like an epiphany. epiphany. I was walking and I realized that, oh, wait, I am black. <laughs> I am a visible minority. <laughs> it's just like invisible, like it's so visible. Like I'm not one of, you know, the people there. And there's, there's something it does to you, you know, just not only with just the way people treat you, but 
you know, the whole thing about representation, you know, seeing a lot of people that look like you doing the things that you would like to do, as opposed to like coming from back home where, you know, you have your mom and your dad that, you know, have worked so hard or your uncles, relatives or someone out there that you can look up to that looks like you, that, you know, you can actually even probably share similar experiences where, you know, like this is the roadmap that they took to actually um, succeed. But then on your, on, on this other side, you don't really have, those people like the lack of mentors or representation um so it, that would be mine but i actually have a quick question mm-hmm. i know that we've been talking about you know um finding your people and we've actually emphasized a lot here how finding your people is so important to your mental health and growth and you know succeeding generally here I, the question is, how then do you find your people, or people that don't necessarily have friends existing? You know, sometimes people want to find their people, but it's like, how, where do I start from? And I think I'll start by answering, you can go to the newcomer center, wherever you're at, they can actually connect you to communities, your community, or even other communities you're interested in learning about. Um, if you're coming as a student, because there's an episode for grad school, right? Mm-hmm. Um, reach out to your professors. I know that some people don't necessarily care about having relationships with your professors, but it's so important because, funny enough, some of these professors were former international students, so they probably oh. can even understand your pain. Yes. Um, or even if they weren't, professors have the keys to these cities. <laughs> they, they, they know these things. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they know where to point you to and how to connect you. So, those are the two things that I can think of. Professors and then newcomer centers. I don't know if the, both of you have any other tips for, you know, the listeners on how to find communities. If you're religious, then like, for example, the Muslim Students Association for me, or if you, I I will not assume what the Christian Association is for, (laughs) or like you can, you could go to, you could go to like a local church. And I know for me anyway, let me talk about what I know. Um, (laughs) I know the mosque was such a place of solace for me when I arrived. Like there are times when I would just go to the mosque either on campus or in town, and I would just sit down there and just you know be with god so to say um and there were times when that led to meaningful connections at some of those places and those are people who you know are on the same wavelength when it comes to faith and can also be sources of upliftment like they can always tell you like remind you of god's words and you know how you'll be able to overcome and how you are never really really alone so in addition to everything that jane has said I think, yeah, places of worship. Those are places that I've met really, really awesome people. Or even just people who are also Muslims too and are in my field. Like I have very, very tight relationships with some of those people. And finding my people. Jane knows my friend JP. I will not mention his full name. He was also, he was like the second, the other international student in my cohort. And he's like a pretty quiet guy who does not like too much trouble. And I remember that when I first saw him, like I recognized him because I had looked at um, the bios of other grad students in the journalism program. And so I went to meet him, I was like, you are in my program and, you know, hello. And I just could tell that he was not in the mood for all that. And at some point I had to go meet him. I was like, we are in this program for two years. Both of us are the only international students. Both of us are from African countries. So guess what? We are going to be friends. You're my friend. friend. (laughs) 
I will give you some time to, you know, think about this and process it. But you are not running from me. You will be my friend. And, and I can't count the number of times that, like, JP saved me in J school. Like, the number of times he helped me out with too many things. I think I took him for granted, like, a lot. But he was just willing to overlook a lot of rubbish I would do. And, like, was just always there as such a support. And I remember that there was, like, another international student who was, like, a year ahead of me. And he was just, like, this big brother so to say like would always go to him to ask him all these questions so sometimes it's it's also you know figuring out this is somebody i want to be my person and then chasing them down until they become your person yes you're able to do that like jane and i we are so good at doing this <laughs> we'll meet you and say you must be friends with us there is no option here i agree <laughs> and, and it's also knowing sometimes that you know this is even though i want this person to be my person it's not just not going to work because they will not you know afford me the respect that i need for this kind of friendship and yeah. letting it go there are so many people out there but what i mm-hmm. found is that a lot of people are are interested in helping out you just can't abuse the friendship Sure. And what else are you bringing as well? So that it's not just this one person giving, 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 giving. giving. What are you also giving them? True. Um, so that it's not draining, it's not one-sided. a draining, draining, it's not a draining and one-sided friendship. True. I agree with that. So um, add to what um, Halima said concerning the religious part of it. Um, I remember during my master's program, um, my first one, one year, I did not really know too many people apart from my roommate and people in church. And the church I was attending was like literally a Catholic church across the road. Those people were my friends. And that first one year, the people that I made as friends or who I found as my people for that one year at the beginning of my program, the people I met during the orientation program, because there's, a, there's this orientation they do for international students and there's an orientation they do for graduate students. So at these two events, I was able to find one or two people who I sat down beside during the orientation who got talking and found out that, oh, we like the same things or we're from maybe African countries or we're from you know, the, the same area. Or we like the same things or we laughed about the same things. And from there, we became a little bit closer and we're able to like, you know, go to different things together. You know, when we're looking for like uh, the cafeteria or somewhere to eat or somewhere to buy groceries, we all came together. And of course, my, my, my university was in a, in a, what do you call it, a college town where there's barely a vehicle and all that. So we'll come together and go groceries together and find a professor or someone in this national office who will do that, who will take us for groceries and all that. Then afterwards, I found a redeemed church because I've been looking for a Nigerian church to attend. When I found the redeemed church, the world of friendship and like people opened to me. It was like I was able to meet other Nigerians. I was able to meet other people like adults like myself and people that I could talk to and relate to that took me grocery shopping to Nigerian stores imagine for one whole year I couldn't eat anything Nigerian apart from what I came with because I really know so many people so like I agree that if you find a church and the thing is it's actually the, 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 the um, resource or knowing these people is actually that the question is are you actually tapping into it I did not know that in my orientation booklet I had a list of churches around the area and never looked through it until like my second year i don't know what i was doing i found a list and i called the church and that was it 
So attend your orientation. Find a local church if it's if you're a Christian. Find a local mosque if you're a Muslim. Whatever you do, whatever um your faith is, try to find a local one. They're always there. The question is, do we actually search for these things or we just are too inclined to school? And if you're just inclined to school, go for your orientation. You may find one or two people that might become your people from just striking a conversation. And from there, like I said, your classmates, your colleagues in your class, don't just walk into class and walk out. Walk into class, talk to people around you, try to, you know, say hi. And of course, just like Halim and Janet said, you can walk up. If you are very bold, I'm not that bold like that to so just say you must be my friend, though. But if you are, walk up to them and say, hi, please, we have to be friends, though. I just, this life that we're about to enter together. It's not an easy one. And that's one thing about everybody you need to know. Grad school is not easy. Doing it with people makes a lot of sense. Doing it with people can make things like, less stressful more easy more doable basically so yeah those are like the ways i think i found my own people and when i came here oh i already had a friend who introduced me to it's always good when you have a friend and lose a friend and lose a friend and that's how i made my friendship even jenna i met her through a friend of a friend and we met in a friend's house and that was it we were cooking together i was like hi janet nice to meet you and that was it from that day more like cooking with whitney and obviously oh. when there's food i will be dead <laughs> the food was so on point and, I, and that's how that's how we started talking and from there i know janet that knows halima and i've been in the podcast like twice mm-hmm. and from there now i know halima is all in my carcass that's the way it works like you know people that know people and like halima said don't just be a friend. The question is, what are you bringing to that friendship? What are you adding to that person? The truth is, some people will not stick around if they are the only givers. If you can't be of help to them when they need help, they will even stress you. As in, now, take, for instance, this podcast episode. I have been on Janet's and Halima's um, podcast like twice. And I was like, please, can you guys be on my podcast? Because like, I can give on that. As I think it's always like really nice to be able not for to be someone that can also give when people can give to you. That like, it helps a lot. So, yeah, we've gone through this over and over again and talking about moving to a new country. Do you think it's hard? One word. Do you think it's a hard process? Yes or no? I think it pays off at some point. At the end of the day, it pays off. It pays off. And exactly. She said yes or no, Halima. What? What is your? What if? What if I have? What if my answer is a complex and complicated one? Like one complex and yes complex. or no can cannot co- copy. Sure. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Continue. Yeah, I think. Oh yeah. What, what I said. Well, Jane, now you've ruined it for me. <laughs> <laughs> like you literally said yes. Oh yeah, answer the question. No. Answer the question. Jim. Answer. Yes. The answer is yes. But to add to oh, no. oh my god, you're not doing that now. <laughs> Human beings. Oh my goodness. Oh but yes, it's very tough. It's it tough. is, but it pays off, like Halima said. It does pay off eventually. The truth is, just be patient to the process. Like everybody says, trust the process. Trust the process is that in that process, the process cannot be trustworthy sometimes. You'll be thinking yourself, like, is this possible? But if you just go through it a step at a time, do not overthink what is at the end. Do not overthink your beginning. Go through it gradually. Try to find your people. Find Try to find your space. Make sure you use the resources around you. And always keep in touch with home. Keeping in touch with home helps you a lot, you know, to have that, I don't know how to put it, it gives you a um, ginger to be in the same space. And when I say ginger, I mean, it keeps you in the loop, you know, of things that are happening at home and it helps you to still be in the same space. Jenna, did you have anything to add? I see your hands raised up. 
Yeah, I just remembered something that I was, I think it's important to share. We've talked about like the community in 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 a lot of details, but it's also very important to try to break out of your community. True. So, you know, because of similar values you share with people from your community, be it Nigerian community, your religious community, or your country's community, um, it's easier to make that connection. I can understand that being the first step because you're easy, it's easy to make the connection to have someone and to have your people you can talk to. But in the long run, in the grand scheme of things, it's very important to also actively search to understand other people's communities, actually the community of people in the place that you find yourself, you know, because that would also help you integrate better into that society because they know, you know, a lot of, they have many years of experience in that country than you do and for many other reasons. And then, you know, generally integrating, I think that's that's the, the main thing. You know, I know that personally, there've been a lot of friends that I've met that, you know, were born and brought up in Canada and they taught me things about Canada, even places to visit in Canada that, you know, Halima probably would not know. And then, you know, they teach me and then I go share that with Halima as well and my other friends. Um, or even job opportunities, they are the ones to point me to job opportunities i have a lot of friends that reached out to me that have you know, actually referred me to jobs because you know they've been here longer and have better connections and i can tap into their own network mm. you know by making being friends with them it's also important to break out of your community we and tend just to open your, to us. and they open your mind up to so many different perspectives as yes. well because yes. things we did not grow up thinking about or talking about but then by when you come here, if you are still stuck with the same community, then it's still that same thinking 10, 20, 30 years after living yeah. in this country. Like you've not yeah. really broadened your mind or your perspective. But when you are allowing yourself to, you know, basically meet other people who have different backgrounds, then that allows you to tap into the things that they're interested in, even if it's mm-hmm. not for, you know, their networks or whatever. Like, what kind of books do they like? What kind of music? Mm-hmm. What are the things they care about? And that way, you are just having a, a, a deeper understanding of how the world works and an appreciation, yes. so to say, for the yes. different ideas out there. And it's yes. not just about your one little view. Yes. You, exactly. You've opened your mind up to so many things and can now decide, okay, out of the many, these are the things I care about. I to, exactly. Mm-hmm. So true. Mm-hmm. And all of this, like, like you all have said, you broaden not only just your home country community or your religion community, like a broader scheme of things, where you are, create a community there as well. And in all of this, you don't have to take everything. Take the one that suits you. Take the one that mm-hmm. agrees with your lifestyle, your beliefs, and what yeah. you stand for. Then, you know, use it to improve yourself, which is very, very important. And I appreciate you guys sharing that with um, us as well. Um, any last words before we end the podcast for today? We really, we've talked a lot. That's really good. Love it. Yeah. Any last words? I think at the end of the day, when you get to a place of comfort, also try to help someone else who's on their journey. It's so, so important. Jane and I talk about this a lot. because, And I think it's one of the reasons why we started the podcast, even though Jane might say here that (laughs) I was reluctant initially. Let me bring that up before she shames me. Um, (laughs) But it's one of the reasons we wanted to start the podcast. Like you 
we have to continue to remember that when we started out on our own journeys, it was not the easiest thing. Yeah. And so like life happens, you are, we are all so busy all the time. And so it can almost become difficult for you to respond to that person who's seeking help or who wants to ask you all these questions about, you know, integrating and starting their lives here. But we need yeah. to continue to remember that once upon a time, we were also starting out. And once upon a time, we um, benefited from people's generosity. And so we have to become those people when we get to a place of comfort. So I think those are my last words. For the podcast. <laughs> yeah, for the podcast. For the podcast, please. <laughs> they are not my last words. I, I, <laughs> I am just so Nigerian like that. I would think I'm like, nope. Just oh for the episode goodness. of the podcast. Go no, ahead, Jay. For, for the podcast, please. <laughs> oh Thank you goodness. for that. <laughs> All right. For me, everything Halima said, I really agree. Giving back and, you know, just paying it forward. Um that's really it. I think I've said most of all I want to say, but I also want to say thank you very much for inviting us yeah, on this so episode. Much. It's actually, when you invited us, I was like, okay, it's, it sounds very similar to our episode on things I wish I knew before I moved to to Canada. But, yeah. you know, yours is broader. Like, and then it's also, it brought like a different perspective, like actually digging deep into mm-hmm. the idea of moving for grad school in particular yeah, and exactly. I actually did not expect us to talk so much but apparently there's so much to uncover mm-hmm. like you guys yeah. already had so much to say exactly. and I really appreciate you you know inviting you us for, to, to thank come you so share much. our opinions <laughs> thank you so much for joining us um guys as you're listening if you are moving to Canada and you're thinking please and you want to know more if it's grad school, if you're just moving generally to Canada, you know where to go to navigating Canada anywhere you listen to a podcast, either <laughs> Apple, Spotify, go ahead and you know, go ahead and hit them up. They have amazing ideas and you know, knowledges, people's experiences as well that you can hear and you know, try to help yourself when it comes to like your process with moving to Canada in general. But yes, thank you so much, guys. Lima and Janet, we appreciate you for coming to join us today. And um, we hope, you know, we could see you on some other episode in no distant time. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Thank you. Au revoir. Au revoir. (laughs) Jane and her French. Thank you so much, guys, for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. Remember, you can always share this episode to your friends and families and your friends and followers on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or whatever social media page that you use. If you enjoyed this episode, please do well to follow the podcast on whatever app you're listening to right now so that you can get a notification when I upload a new episode. Don't forget, you can also follow the podcast on Instagram at that one lady, which is D-A-T. O-N-E-L-A-D-Y. If you have any questions or suggestions for an episode, please send me an email at thatonelady at gmail.com, which also is D-A-T-O-N-E-L-A-D-Y at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening once again. Until next time, remember to keep living, keep loving, and ensure you're living your truth. Have a great day, guys. Bye.